When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. live from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV on a Paul's McWednesday. It is great to be with you as always. Thanks for being with us. Hope you're well. Let's have a good day. Let's have a good day together, shall we? I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew in the house as well. On Twitter, it's at J Cameron Show. And uh, we're getting that much closer. That much closer Florida State-Syracuse should be a good thing. Should be uh, an opportunity for Florida State to continue to try to keep that running game, get that running game well-oiled by the time you're going to need it again against an opponent that can do something about it. We'll sh- we'll see. Uh, I feel good about the Syracuse game. feel good about the uh, outcome of that game. And, in fact, I feel good about what I think is going to be a large disparity in scores between Florida State and Syracuse. I I've never liked what Syracuse does defensively, and I never really thought it worked against us. So I'm going to feel much better um, again on Saturday, and I think we'll all continue that. All right, we can wring our hands a little bit less. Still elements that got to get better. First and foremost, though, since we're just starting the show, let's do this. Happy birthday, Mike Norvell, 42 years old. I remember at 42 years old, I had what? I had a, t- a five-year-old and a three-year-old. <laughs> I knew you at 42 years old. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Of course, yeah, you did. Um, very well by that point. Yes, yes, yes. We had been working together for some time by that point. <laughs> I guess, I guess yeah. that's right. <laughs> yes. Well, you were 42 when we won a national championship. That was 10 years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, Mike, your turn. Here you go, Mike. All you got to do is keep it rolling. Let's just live up to it. You know, I'd take it every decade if you would do that. You know, I win one here at 52, just like we did at 42. I'll take another one at 62. Just you got to steady wins the race. Steady wins the race. But 42 is a good age. I thought 37 was my favorite age, I think. 37, 38, somewhere in there. 37. All right. Felt like uh, 37. I'm just you, about to leave 37 in. 37's quality. 37, 38 is it's a good time right there. Got two weeks left in 37. But here's why. I said 37, 38 in that area. So you got another one of those good areas coming up. Goes downhill from there, Tommy. <laughs> Wait a minute. I got no, sorry, I got two weeks left in thirty six. See, I've gotten to the time. You don't even know. I don't even know the math yeah, anymore. You're gonna be thirty seven. Yeah. 
So yeah. I'm entering your favorite See, year. See, there it is. Well, one of the things that happens is you know you've lived long enough to know better, and you've uh, you're still young enough to do something about it if you figure something out, and you know all that stuff. So it's 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 perfect right there. You're not silly. You're not a silly goose like you are when you're 25, oh, like Charlie Campbell. That's right. But you're also not so old that when you try to sprint, you pull a hamstring. You got a chance to still sprint, Tom. Do it while you can, buddy. Uh. <laughs> It's amazing how it happens. Anyhow, so Mike's 42. He's out there still running. Nobody would let him win today. The, pre, uh, <laughs> the pre-practice race that begins every practice in the indoor practice facility. How many more times can you say practice, Jeff? And, uh, and you know, he takes great pride in that, but uh, everybody was out in front of him today. They're like, no, buddy, we know it's your birthday. You ain't beat nobody. And does he make it to 44 doing that thing? Not without hurting himself, yeah, probably. Again, because he did before one time already. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, it's <laughs> you get you get into your forties, it gets dicey when you're in an all-out sprint. Did you have too much coffee that morning? Are you hydrated? Did you limber up before practice? I mean, there's a lot you got to do just to sprint. Also, when does it get ridiculous if it isn't already? Like, if our rivals, if if that was our rival head coach doing that and racing, but kids he doesn't do it. Yeah, he does it before the game, before practice, not before yeah. a game. Like uh, our man over in Clemson running down a oh. hill. <laughs> Little bit. Um, he is a special case, isn't he? <laughs> well. I think he's he's got to be. A, can you imagine, like, big picture here? Let's look at it from thirty thousand feet up. Can you imagine though, if you if you take the time, and a lot of coaches don't have the time, and I understand that. But if you think about it, if you're Mike Norvell, you're you're turning forty two years old. You're a multi millionaire. Your program's won eleven straight games. I would presume happily married, beautiful children, daughter, I should say. Yeah, I mean, he's he's you're going to Charlotte as long as you don't screw it up. You know, I know he's immersed right now, and and that's the thing about this season. It's been omnipresent in our conversations. I mean, all we've talked about is the fact that they're good, and they're one of the teams in contention, but there's room for improvement. And we talk about hand-wringing and why that is, and is it fair or not fair? But I know from a coach's perspective, they certainly see the inconsistencies more than most. Even when they're really humming, they see things that maybe the rest of us don't. Well, th- these things are pretty obvious to everybody on the surface that they just haven't always been able to piece together, um, you know, long stretches of play without something going south on you. And so, you know, you know he's concerned about that because to win a national championship, you're going to have to be in, in, you know, excellent form. You're going to have to be playing your best brand of football. The good news for him is they are undefeated. Uh, they're heavy favorites again this Saturday against Syracuse, and they've done that without being in their best form. So the search continues, and you get an opportunity to coach up kids and point out the things that are causing the hiccups. And you did so in that game, running the ball with two backup – well, don't want to go that far, but at least one backup left tackle and then a rotational right tackle. Because we think at this point if, if Bless is available, maybe right. Myers isn't there. You know, right, that's going right. to be an interesting shuffle when everybody is healthy and back and Robert Scott returns. Like, Who are going to be your starting five? There's one play that sticks with me. And it's the long touchdown run in the second half because they run to the right. A lot of the success they had on that specific action was to the left early in the game. Mm-hmm. But the reason that that play sticks out to me is because Keandre Jones, at 330 pounds, looked as agile as I've ever seen Keandre Jones look. Not normally the adjective used to describe Keandre Jones. That's an interesting image. If you can do more of that, 
perhaps he gets more playing time. I just I feel like this is a fluid situation moving forward. It would be weird though, right? It wouldn't make a lot of sense for a guy who's not been fleet of foot, agile, if you would, to suddenly be. I mean that that is strange, but it did happen. It is on film. You did see him look uh, nimble. It's different than a counter movement, you know. So it's a, it's a different style of play. But they ran that concept to death. But Keandre, I thought in the Boston College game was a far better option. Now that might have been because you know Meech had the flu. Yeah, but that was more straight ahead stuff. But I just wonder, as they get completely healthy on the offensive line, if they ever can get completely healthy on the offensive line, what is the best five? Because we're through five games, and, and while we we know we missed Maurice Smith when he was gone, and we know we are missing Robert Scott when he's gone, when, they all, when they're all ready and they all come back and bless Harris, what is the five? I believe the starting five will be bless Harris at right tackle. I have a suspicion that I mean you and I both feel like buyers should give it a go at guard at some point here but and even if that means that it doesn't work this season it's I mean yeah. tackle ain't gonna work it doesn't look like no doesn't doesn't appear so that's unfortunate too because you know they invested in him and um really he was a guy that we thought could could be a huge difference maker he's not burdensome but he is not a guy that is going to Make a huge difference for you uh, week to week. He's not a game changer. So I think Jazz was better at counter than Byers was. I think that's it, true. Byers is. Yeah. So, you know, you could move, you could slide Byers inside because he's got good feet and pull him and do all those things. I don't know if they will, if they'll supplant Meach or if they want Washington there or whatever they want to do. Well, I mean, it's not like Roddick is locked in at left guard either. I know. Well, I think the interior of our offensive line is problematic. I think I said before the start of this season, if I was worried about anything, it was the interior of the offensive line. So, you know, I feel pretty good. Got that one right, unfortunately. Uh, that has been that has been certainly an area of concern. It's not the end of the world. They're not. I mean, Ira said it best yesterday when we were doing headlines. When we we're talking about the things that at this point of the season, as you approach sort of the halfway point, you start th- thinking about the things you got right in camp, things you got wrong in camp, things that you're surprised by or excited by, at least in terms of personnel things that you think can improve over the next six, seven weeks, and things that you think just are. I mean, that that's just what they are at this point, right? Certain players, you you get enough evidence, you say, well, that's that's just who he is. There's some good there, but you're going to have to take the bad with it. Um, and I said when we talked about it, well, the offensive line has disappointed me. But he correctly pointed out, yeah, but maybe this is just the best it could be given how bad off it was just two years ago. And he's right. Like, think about where what you had to do to get this thing from the worst in the league to now – in the upper echelon of the league, it's it's in the upper half of the league. Yeah, it's it's you know so and they protected the passer better than and they didn't have a great week against Virginia Tech. But if you're looking at the five games, they've protected the passer better than we expected, and they've sprung the run worse. Yeah. than we've expected. Yeah, it's it's been a fascinating journey for that group, and one that if you don't lose sight, and I think it's correct to point out that they have revamped and altered their capabilities up front radically compared to where they were just two years ago. Now, that said, it is another reminder, and I'm reminded of something Mark Stoops said in his press conference, and I'll bring this all in and tie it together because I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm reminded that there just are some positions, and generally speaking, I think still, if you can find five-star kids uh, out of the high school ranks and bring them into the fold and build them up and get them out there for you in year two, year three, 
uh, you're better off doing that because what's not in the portal very often are five-star caliber offensive linemen looking to transfer. It just You don't see that position uh, an abundance from that position of those caliber players. Instead, what you get are players that can help fill holes and round out a group if we're just talking about the, the, the segment group as a whole. You can find a buyers who you bring in and maybe he starts for you or he's a quality backup for you. You can find a kid that you bring in and you say, well, in short yarded situations, Keandre Jones is really going to help us, you know, or uh, Roddick is really going to help us in this situation, but we don't have to rely on him right now because we've got that five-star kid we brought in two years ago and now he's ready to go. That's the ideal way to do it. That's what you see with Alabama and Georgia most of the time. Now, there are exceptions. Miami did a really good job of bringing in two high-quality offensive linemen uh, this year, and that certainly helped their team up until they forgot to kneel. That they did. I'd, I'd forgotten about that play that they called where they did not kneel the ball and they <laughs> did, ran the ball instead. Didn't, didn't kneel, no. But to your point, even our own offensive coordinator and offensive line coach said in the preseason, my favorite thing to do is sit old dudes for young dudes. Yeah. That was before camp started. So I don't know if that means that he expected to see some of the younger guys take a jump. A and bigger step forward, he yeah. can make that move. Mm-hmm. But he's willing to say that out loud on the record to the media that I, I like sitting old dudes for young dudes, and I tell them in my meeting room every day that I like that. And they might just not be there right now. So I bring this up because I was laughing, thinking about what you're trying to do with NIL and what you're trying to do with players and fill roster spots, but also knowing that maybe at its core, this upcoming class is a breath of fresh air because you're now recruiting well at the high school ranks and you've got to continue to remain upwardly mobile in that trek. Kentucky coach Mark Stoops, basically did what I think a lot of coaches will do when they're on the wrong end of ass kickings and they see the future of this sport as evident, right? It's obvious what's happening with this sport right now. They lost 51-13 to to Georgia on Saturday. We know that. And the game was not close at all. He said about that game, I can promise you Georgia bought some really good players. Now, that was in response to an upset fan on the weekly radio show. The fan was questioning how you could get beat 51-13, to 13, and he's angry as fans want to be. Quote, now you're allowed to these days, and we could use some help. That's what they look like. You know what I mean? When you have 85 guys like that, I encourage anybody that's disgruntled, pony up. Asked about what Stoops had to say about that, Kirby Smart said, I have no reaction. It's much ado about nothing. I think Mark is trying to garner interest for more money from his fan base for the collective. And we're all trying to do the same in terms of trying to get money for our collectives. Mark and I talked about NIL all through the pregame. We talked about it in our meeting. I'm not biting on that. I'm not mad. So he gets it. He knows. And uh, I would just say once again that uh, we know that's the, the reality of the situation. That's not unlike what Nick Saban said about Texas A&M. Basically, um, what Dino said in the summer about Mike, he said that on Radio Row. Yeah, done a really good job with the with the yeah, image yeah. yeah. So at the end of the day, uh, great news for our friends at the Battles End. All of that is said out loud now, and we've seen the direct result of the successes. Like all jokes aside, the Battles End is largely responsible for roster retention and, of course, filling in those holes where we needed to find some guys. I mean. This may not be a five-star right tackle that we brought in in the form of buyers, but he's serviceable, and he's probably better than what you would have had at this point. Until 
you can ready the younger players. You've got to have guys that have experience and the right size on them and technique. And, you know, that's, again, you see the need to marry the high school recruiting with the ability to attract transfer portal kids and roster retention as well as acquisition. And so the battle's end is probably one of the most high profile at this point um, organizations uh, in this space uh, that we've seen. Like you don't know too many, like if you look around the country, there are a few others and there, there are other that are doing very, very well. They're starting been, to band together yeah. as you see in the news. Yeah. And there, by the way, there've been articles written about this. This is a, uh, an opinion of mine. When you, when you look at um, the assessments that have been made of the various collectives around the country, the Battles Inn is always at the forefront of being mentioned amongst the two or three most successful. And we're, we've really benefited greatly because it's been uh, an, an organized approach and a, in a fundamental effort to do more than just grab a player but make this about something bigger, which, of course, I think uh, resonates with parents of these kids too. I just wonder, like, so we all know about it, uh, and it was it was kind of organic the way that the battles then rose to prominence from you know Rising Spear being like the clear the far and away, yeah. And then there's this line of delineation where at at one point it turns to battles end becomes football primarily, and then Rising Spear does a lot with all of the other sports, and they both have their role. Mm-hmm. But the way that that came about was kind of sudden. <laughs> And once it's all over and and the state of Florida has allowed for the door to be open to communicate about those things, I just wonder, like, Mark Stoops is saying that out loud. Is is Kentucky that much more relaxed than Florida? I know he's saying it out of exasperation and frustration, mm-hmm. but is, is the state of Kentucky, or is it a commonwealth, I forget, uh, versus Florida that much more relaxed where the head coach can kind of just say it when he wants to? Well, coaches now across the country, including Mike Norvell, say give to the battles in. He's on a video loop saying that. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, he I, I wonder like, publicly. At, at what point will it be that they go stumping instead of a booster tour, they do that instead. Well, that's an interesting conversation in general. I Because I, you become competitor. That's the weird thing. It's like it the can booster become a very competitive thing. Fans get like, confused. Is it any coincidence that, for example, before Florida State kicks off, now I watch all these games on TV because I do the post-game show, but we've been on ABC like every week, it feels like, mm-hmm. Same, mm-hmm. except for uh, Southern Miss. And the spot that runs before the game or the first spot in the first block is a 60-second booster spot that's mm-hmm. fully HD and it's Fabo every week saying, i got to tell you why I love the boosters. Yeah. They're just the best. Well, they've had several players film that. Lawrence Toafili films yes. one as well. But like Fabo's, is, it seems like, is always the one that's mm-hmm. on because it's a really strong message. He does a very good job. But I don't know that that spot is that well produced before NIL exists because the boosters know that all the money's coming their way. If you're going to spend on Florida State, you go in that direction. It's just it's interesting to me how... The empire is built, and where the monies need to go, it's it's, well, it's not I, confusing as it as it is much as it is fascinating. Right. I would I would also say that I think that probably uh, in house there, like you're describing, there is much consternation. Although the most successful groups work together on these things and figure out how to make that work, um, I can tell you it wasn't the boosters that kept that roster together. So that that's that's and this is where it gets. You know, even fans gets, are like, it, yeah. it can get testy. It right. Can, it can get very testy. Well, and they say, where do I give? We've gotten that email from all Tons. over the country. Like, where do I give? And I don't feel comfortable answering that. I just, I answer when I do, take the time to respond. Here's where it's going to this kind of war chest. 
And then here's where this is going to that war chest. Right, because you somebody decide. might say, well, yeah. I, I, you know, if, I, if I'm giving to the boosters, I know that I'm giving to something in which it's going to help the facilities that these right. young men utilize. Yep. And if I'm giving to the Battles Inn, I know that I'm helping build my roster and improve and raise the floor of talent. Right. Facilities, uh, endowment, scholarships right. as you're trying to approach that. Right. Versus, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, and so you have to decide on that. You know, you have to decide. It, to me, this year, do I want to ensure that we get some some help at the uh, the linebacker uh, unit, and do we improve our offensive line, or am I looking more long term about endowments and all this other stuff? So, you know how like every break, there's I like retaining really good players. Every TV timeout, like somebody different, some other, some group, any group, mm. is like stand up, mothers today. We honor the mothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all yeah, right, yeah. fathers, stand yeah, up. Yeah. And then you know it could be service people, it yeah. could be whatever. At what point does it become that every commercial break is, hey, Seminole Boosters, please stand up. <laughs> Battles End members, please, please stand, stand up. up. Yeah, that's what it's going to be, I think, in the future. It's just one ad after the other for all of these outlets that you can give to the university. The re, uh, the, the final response that... Uh, or a non-university affiliated group that has nothing to do thank with you. the university. Thank you. Uh, the last comment that was made by old uh, Mark Stoops was, it doesn't feel good. I told the team that the good news is that only counts as one game. We have to respond and bounce back. I'll put this one on me. We weren't prepared in any area. They beat us across the board in every area. You say that after just telling everybody they had better players because of their collective. (laughs) Yeah, don't put this on the players, even though I just told you they suck and they're not good enough. Well, that they're not good enough because they're not as talented as the Georgia players we just faced who were bought and paid for by the collective that's helping run Georgia. Yeah, I mean... Coach, would you rather have somebody else here? Yeah, somebody better. That's what I just told my radio show. It's the hardest thing in the world for a coach because he's not crazy to do that. He's like, look, man, this guy calls in and is bitching about taking a beating. Merv. He wants to know why in the world we would lose 51 to 13. And he's telling you, quite directly, what we already know from watching the game. Well, this is how it happened. They're better than them at every single position on the field. That's how it happens. Now, Merv, I don't know how it works in Paducah, but my <laughs> guess is if you wanted the Waffle House a better manager, you better pay more money for that manager. Right, Merv? Man. Right, Merv. That's a toughie. I mean, you know, by definition, you're insulting your players by letting them know they're not good enough, but you're also doing what he's doing, which is asking the perturbed fan, well, hey, I don't like it as much as you do. Here you go. It's the same way. It's the same thing. Let's go. Give me more better players and we'll be all right. We won't lose 51 to 13. <laughs> Coach, I don't make $9 million. I don't have disposable income like you do. Well, believe me, I'm using some of my $9 million per to buy players, guys. <laughs> now that would be. That would be hilarious. He said it. <laughs> Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio. War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply 
Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just huh? make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com. FSUHomeLoans.com. I saw there were guesses in here uh, regarding the kind of cake that Mike Norvell would want. First, I have to salute Z-Chan and thank him for uh, all that he does on a consistent basis. Contributing to uh, Florida State's efforts to put their best foot forward and then also doing the same for the Jeff Cameron Show. Thank you, Z-Chan. He writes, give to them all, plus fortune. And then from there, I saw where some folks thought that it would be red velvet cake. And it reminded me that my stance on cake is correct, and that is that cake sucks. Once a year. You can have a piece once a year, and then it reminds you. Like the first bite, okay. Second bite, all right, I'm done. Cake's garbage. Eat, Eat a pie or ice cream or some other dessert. A brownie. Brownies are solid. Mm hmm. There are cakes that are able to avoid the label of suck. Chocolate chip cake? It's just a giant chocolate chip cookie. That's Director Matthew's favorite. Yeah. I think you can have uh, German chocolate cake, like the the chocolate on top of the chocolate. German chocolate? Yeah, I like the German chocolate cake, yeah. I I, I can do that. Like more chocolate mixed with some chocolate. It's a good time. But there's not too many cakes that you're going to be like, oh, can't wait. Yeah, cheesecake, if you really want to call that cake. And you know why you like cheesecake? Because it's more like a pie. We had in my family, going from the uh, borderline destitute days of Bay Ridge in Brooklyn, New York, Mm. something called a sheet cake, which is basically you get the basic bottom barrel stovetop yellow cake thin dressing in a sheet pan. That's ass. And then you just cover it in chocolate frosting. And it ends up being okay because of the chocolate frosting. Yeah, you, you might as well just eat the frosting. That is largely correct. Yeah, <laughs> just eat the frosting because that yellow cake is garbage. It's a tradition handed down from um, scrapping for the nickel days <laughs> to go to the five and dime <laughs> in uh, Bay Ridge. Yeah, um, yeah. So not just not too many. And then if you just have a classic cake with the silly white icing and the sprinkles oh, and all, that's just what are we doing? No. Punt that thing! Somebody kick that cake into the woods. Give your boy a sugar cookie. 
and we're done. No sprinkles. I want the plain sugar cookies. Almost all ice cream's good, however. Almost mm. all. Mm. Almost all. Now, you have issues with your stomach, but the I'll taste- go with gelato. I'll take a little gelato. <laughs> a little Italian ice. I like Italian ices. Bottle of red. Back in the day, by the way, uh, right before football practice, uh, we, you, you know the guy would come by with the Italian ices, and he had to run oh, out there man. to get them really quick before practice started if he wanted. So if I got from the cart, the blueberry was the best. The you blueberry. never get – it's hard. Most, it's gone. If it's in the freezer aisle, no chance. The yeah. blueberry is terrible. You want the cherry or the lemon. Those are your two go-tos. You know the ice cream cookie cake is really good too, though. That's it's like a it's it's ice cream. It's you know the with the oh yeah, yeah. it's delicious the Baskin Robbins. Yeah, yeah, it's really mm-hmm. good. That's different because because it's not cake. It's ice cream with chocolate stuff inside. I think Mike should get a cake with somebody bending a knee. You <laughs> <laughs> could get like a knight, you know. But then, um, but then you put a Super Mario head on him. It's like here you go, happy birthday, buddy. Do you think, by the way, Saturday's game is going to be us slinging it around the lot? Because I know you're doing a deep dive into Syracuse. You always do for third and Lang, and we'll look at various things. But I, I have a feeling from what I've seen of Syracuse that they're going to require us to throw it, even though I like that we're developing and pushing forward with run game. I think they're going to make us throw it a little bit. Yeah, so part of the deep dive, too, uh, recorded a video this morning with Dominic Robinson, who's back on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little advanced notice for the folks yeah, so that for, listen for to the show. for video purposes to break down certain yes. things, yeah. He's got the 22. So you're looking at wide copy, tight copy, and he's giving you his reasons why he believes X, Y, and Z. And, mm-hmm. we're, and we're talking about, it's a very evidence-based program, which I like. Yeah. But we're talking about the running game. And so he's got four or five clips from Clemson. Not so great, but he explains why. Four or five clips from Virginia Tech, much better, explains why. And the conclusion, I'll let everybody else make, but my personal conclusion is, I wonder how much better we really are. I I wonder if that seven and a half yards of carry that Virginia Tech gave up to Rutgers is more the story than us necessarily improving. And Syracuse could go a long way in proving which it actually is. Yeah, and I didn't ignore the fact, and we didn't in the pregame show, that we really were in a, a a real good position heading into that game to have success on the ground because everybody else had, including Marshall and Rutgers. And we gave the numbers on Marshall and Rutgers doing whatever they wanted on the ground to Virginia Tech. So it would have been alarming had you not had at least a couple of big runs in this game. And you ended up having more than a couple. And, of course, obviously you had one guy rush for 200 yards on the back of two big-time carries, but still. 200 what's, yards. Yeah. What's interesting is when you when you see it from that angle, you can see it on television somewhat, but the depth just isn't the same, and you know that. The All-22 is where it's at. It's it's so much better. The perimeter blocking, tight ends, even though it's not been great at times, tight ends and receivers is doing much better, largely speaking, than the line itself. And so what do you do with that? And the other thing is you can see, and D-Rob says this, this is my opinion, it says, Everybody's so scared to death of counter that they're selling out to stop it. They're oh, selling yeah. out to stop. Well, they counter. watched us just wear people out with they're it. They're so year. scared of counter. And one thing he said, I think this is off camera, but again, it's a good insight that we're not even that successful with it this year, which we all know. We all can see with our own. We eyes. don't really try to run it all that often. But that, that counter, it's a lot less specifically. But yeah. then a lot of our our passing concepts are off of a counter base, and they still work because teams are scared to death. But of that counter. will go away. 
that will go away. They'll, the teams will start to say, well, they actually don't have much success running counters, so we're going to stop giving this so much respect. So Agreed. Yeah, but that's why when we talk about things to work on and areas to improve and things that you're going to add, sort of addendums to what it is you do. And it's fun to watch Mike and Alex work together on this front. Surely they see it. I mean, they're in there watching the same film talk that, you know, obviously that Dominic Robinson's looking at. I mean, they see that's the film they're looking at. They know what's not working and why. They know what teams are doing. I want to see what they come up with in order to combat that. Well, part of the problem is one of your games you got the flu, right? Another game you're playing Clemson. Right. So and then, two of the games that you failed miserably to run the ball, there are plausible explanations. And then let's just argue, for the sake of arguing, that if you're healthy, Robert Scott and Bless Harris are your two tackles. So in the most recent game, maybe your two backup tackles are your two starters. So there are always these qualifiers that you have to make as they're trying to explore what they can and cannot do. Syracuse is so multiple, though, that this is another outlier. You're not going to see a defense that attacks you in this particular way. They're still so. primarily running their three-three-five, right? I mean, that's what, subject to review. I yeah, but it's pretty much it. what they. I mean, and I, 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 I'm not in love with that defensive scheme. But Although they they did us a lot of favors last year, they did not want to be there though. Mm-mm. They were ready to hop in a wrong gap and just <laughs> let us go. Yeah, that's for sure. I do think. That if you get, I, I mean, sometimes we can overanalyze aspects of this run game that aren't working because at the end of the day, having your two starting tackles be healthy yeah. would go a long way in changing the outcome of yards per play on those carries. I mean, we don't, we haven't played in a game yet where everybody was right. Yeah. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that counter works, but it means that right. the running game works. Because, you know, the guard matters a lot in counter, especially the way we run it. That's your lead guy. You're reading off of what the guard does. And if uh, Casey's not having a good go at it or Meech is getting blown up by the first man in, you know, it's, it's a problem. But, again, I would point to one thing again, and this is not to take shots at these kids because they've helped us, but think about what you just said. I mean, Meech is playing his sixth year of college football for a reason. Yeah. Roddick was available for a reason. That's true of all these guys we've brought in. They're available for a reason. So it's the larger concern that I have with Casey in this game is you saw communication with Mo a couple of times where a guy just is allowed to free pass. It reminds me of um you know, twenty fourteen. There was a game against Clemson where we had a center in that game and mm. you're like, Wow, Olay. Yeah, yeah. But it's not necessarily the center's fault. You're supposed to have some help. There's a miscommunication in the A gap, Jeff, and you're wondering who is to blame. Because whoever it is we can't have that. And that's the issue that to me is a little bit more scary because Pass Pro had been pretty good right on. And with Syracuse multiple front, you're going to have to really tighten that up or else there's going to be a free rusher that gets to hit Jordan. Yeah, the good news is they utilized Jordan in the run game last week early and often, got him going. We really should probably talk about that more. That's an aspect that will help free up the rest of the run game. I think they wanted to show that. It was no accident that they came out doing that. There's, he was very aggressive in the run game in that first quarter. It's 22 to nothing just like that. You're doing whatever you want to do. And I'll maintain that you are going to blow that team out to the tune of 60 to 7 or something thereabouts if they don't call the roughing the passer penalty, which is not roughing the passer, and that interception stands, at that point you have the ball, it's a 22 to nothing, you're probably going to go down and score and make that 29 to nothing, and you can call it a day. 
Katie barred the door at that point. Virginia Tech's going to quit. It's 29 and nothing in the first half. They're go- that is it. Instead, it keeps the drive alive. It keeps Virginia Tech in the game mentally. They stick around. Next thing you know, they score. Next thing you know, it gets a little weird. You get a couple of terrible calls. Norvell's losing his mind. You start the second half with an opening kickoff to the house. Now, all of a sudden, there's the consternation and the wringing of the hands of which we speak. It's 22-17 to 17 against a terrible Virginia Tech He's team. He's in the crouch again. It's Yeah, that's the tell. I've told you that. And I, I it's 22-17, to 17 and you're going, are we really doing this? Now, thankfully, it is fair to point out, and it's, it's right to point out, that they responded very well in that moment. Buttoned up, went back out, executed, got the long run, touchdown. I would argue that pretty much ended it. You ended up getting a stop, then you go down, you score again, and, and now we can call it a day. You get the long run. and But that's something they didn't do against Boston College. So, thankfully, they did answer when things got real ugly there for a minute. With the run game. Yeah, with the run game. So, But, I, I again, I think it should carry over the healthier you get. I do think that not having your starting five on the offensive line has led to these wild inconsistencies, along with some of the other things we're pointing out. And so it's funny, you know, I saw somebody say, well, we're undefeated and we're in the top four, so you have to fill airtime somehow. No, this is a conversation we'd have no matter what, because being 5-0 and is not the goal. Winning the national championship is the goal. Winning the conference title is certainly the goal if you have a little bit lesser of a bar that you're trying to reach. And being 5-0 and and blasting Virginia Tech is not where you stop talking about the things they can do better in order to win and reach and obtain those goals. So for Florida State, it's obvious if they don't get better in those areas, they'll come across a team that can do something about it and exploit it. And that's why we get – it's not really an argumentative thing as much as it is exciting to see what subtle changes they make from a schematic standpoint, how much healthier can they get and how soon, and what does that do in terms of changing play calling and success rate. So – these are all things we monitor the rest of the way because, unfortunately, Syracuse is what they are, a team that has lost a couple in a row that are 17.5-point underdogs coming in here and don't seem likely to give Florida State that great a test. We know we can't ignore them. We know that you're capable, obviously, see Boston College, of losing to anybody if you're not real careful or certainly be in a game. So what you have now is this wonderful little run and we'll see if Duke has their quarterback back, but if they don't, that's another game where you're kind of like, okay, well, good. Um, before you have to ratchet it back up, when you play Miami, they'll be out for blood. Obviously it's a rivalry game and they've got to be furious. Hopefully by the time we play them, they've quit. They're on quit watch. Now we'll see what happens. But obviously I would also argue just from a personnel standpoint, you'll have to go down to Gainesville and be buttoned up and right. And then obviously the ACC championship game, which if we're moving towards where I think we're moving towards is either going to be North Carolina or Louisville. I would lean towards North Carolina at this point, which could be very problematic because they have a first round draft pick at quarterback who will pick you apart if you're not right in coverage. So, and the receiver is magically eligible now a star at that. Mm. Jeff Cameron showed 93, three real talk radio war chant TV. Hey guys, our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it quite literally every single day. I began using AG1 because I'll be honest with you, I don't like to take a bunch of pills and vitamins and I just wanted something that tastes great, was quick and easy to remember. So I do it. I do it every morning when I wake up. I certainly have it right after my coffee and before I work out. And I will tell you this too, it is... um, a simple, effective investment for your health. 
You can try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash JCS. Again, that's go to, uh, all you got to do is go to uh, drinkag1.com slash JCS. That's drinkag1.com slash JCS. Check it out. It's delicious. It's quick. It's easy. It's proven. Vitamins, probiotics, whole food source nutrients. Start your day with it. You'll feel better. I promise. The Jeff Cameron Show brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Hey, so we've often mentioned it, and unfortunately, our cohort had to uh, feel it. Baseball is cruel, man. Holy moly. The Baltimore Orioles had not been swept once this year. Not once. Until? 162 games and did not get swept tells you a lot about a team who wins over 100 games, obviously, but uh, that's how you get to 100-plus wins is not getting swept at all. But that is the ultimate cruel joke for baseball, and it, baseball does it all the time. They're forever doing it. It's just mean. That's why you just get in. Just get in and see what happens. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think I think it, it gets easier a little bit over time when you're like, okay, well, we're really, really young and have, you know, Rushman and Henderson and all these studs that are just babies, basically, just starting their careers. But, God, dog, I mean, it's a staggering disappointment. And I'm not doing it to rub salt in the wound. I, I've been on the wrong end of a team that won 98 games and got told to have a good day. It, it's brutal. I've been to the World Series and had a lead in four games with five or fewer outs to get. And won just one of those games. Lost the series in five. Now, you know what's interesting? Um, it was the World Series. Yeah, I know. It's, it's it, yes. <laughs> um, until 1969, the Orioles, by having the best record in the American League, would have gone directly to uh, the World Series. <laughs> From 1969 to 1993, the Orioles, by virtue of the 101 wins that they had, would have gone automatically to the American League Championship Series. So because it's changed, now it's different. You win all those regular season games, and you're still on edge because the format has changed. And, you know, so if you want to go all the way back, you, you could go 1969 to 1993, and that is a long stretch of time where you wouldn't have had to worry about any of this by virtue of the great season you had. And now nobody nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. And it's, it's, you know, a lot of the people who, well, I mean, look, you got to buy, you get swept. Other people have, you know, they've lost after waiting. You know, a lot of people, if the Braves don't make that comeback the other night, they're on the cusp of getting swept. And that was an incredible game and an incredible ending, much to the dismay of Director Matthew, of course, but it was an amazing thing to watch. And as somebody who didn't have a dog in the fight, I was just enjoying that game. But man, I was reminded of that, too. Like, hmm, get a great start from our starting pitcher. Kind of dominates. It's four to nothing. Well, and it also goes to show you that um, if you're not a Mets fan and you're a fan of any other franchise, just hang in there for a little longer. Something might turn. You know, for <laughs> us, probably won't. 
But everybody is racing to social media and saying the Braves are never going to score a run again. Boy, well, this is the biggest colossal disappointment in postseason history. Well, that's this just is, dumb. I mean, what, you know, why would, home run records, yeah, yeah. falling left and right, and they can't score a run. And then it, in a matter of eight minutes, it's fixed. You know? Like, that's, that's baseball, too. It goes the other way, too. And here's more of baseball. As of right now, the five teams that won 92 or more games are 1-10 in 10 in the postseason. Oh, man. They're 1-10, in 10 and the 1 is the Braves' comeback, or they'd be 0-11. And, and that is really, really hard to stomach, and it's why you have to look at regular season baseball and postseason baseball as very different entities. They're playing the same game. But the results have a much greater impact than they do over the span of 162 games. That's why it's okay to weep if you win the World Series. It's okay. It's okay. It's very hard to do. I remember saying to you that I like regular season baseball more than postseason baseball because of the pacing, because of the consistency, because of not every game, not every pitch, is there a sense of urgency, and that seems to fit what baseball is. Baseball is not football. You shouldn't feel that same dramatic intensity around every turn that you do in such a truncated season such as football. And, you know, I grew up in an era where college football was a 10-game season. So you really had the idea that everything mattered greatly every Saturday. It was this, this is it. But over 162 games, you can go to the game with your best friend and have a long conversation about how they're doing in between pitches. Because the result of that game isn't really going to matter all that much. Not that singular game. And that is not true of the postseason. And that's why the regular season is unto itself. And the postseason is too. And you have to go in with a different mindset to watch. The game is still the same. The rules are still the same. But each result is obviously dramatically impactful. And it's, it's fascinating to see the sport transition in that way. Now, you could say, well, every postseason, Jeff, a team that gets beat is eliminated. What do you mean? But football, there's an inherent intensity to football all the time. It doesn't change. It just stays. And baseball is such a random game that, again, I think we've gotten into a place where we embrace analytics so much or win probability so much that we feel like if you get to 51, it's a guarantee. Like, that's not how probability works. Mm -mm -mm. That's just bare. I mean, that's what the house gets on a roulette game. You know, it's it. That's not. It doesn't guarantee a thing. And so, when a baseball game that could have millions of outcomes yeah. is played, it doesn't. It's play. Don't care who makes it. Game don't care what the probability is. Baseball will just screw you because that is what the probability suggests. It well, can I think do. it's the hardest part about being a diehard baseball fan and loving a team, and that's why you do really appreciate if they win the World Series. Like if you're a Braves fan right now, you 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 could lose this series, and you know you could lose this series. You might win it as well, but you're not as concerned because you just won a World Series a few years ago. So it's like, okay, you got it. You hold on to it for dear life. Hey, listen, by the way, this is not just an anomaly that the 92-plus win teams are 1-10. in 10. If you go back last year in the National League, the four teams that won 92 games or more, they were 3-10. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with